Well, we are, we are talking about this, this, this attitude of, of whatever it takes, having a, a whatever-it-takes spirit, a whatever-it-takes type of mentality. And we're going to continue this theme, probably wrap it up next Sunday. I don't know. We'll see what the Lord does. He just keeps pouring things into me concerning this because God is just doing some amazing things. I know I keep saying that, and I sound like a broken record, but today I'm even going to share with you something that he's doing that, that is just, I think, well, for me, it blew my mind, and, and I'm really excited. But the topic that we're talking about today, obviously, is whatever it takes, three, okay? This is number three, number three in our series of probably four, maybe more, I don't know. But this story that I'm going to present to you takes, takes place during the, the, king, the time of uh, the reign of King Ahab, Okay? And it's, it's about the prophet Elijah. We talked about Elijah a little bit last week. I, I didn't know that when I started this study that I would be spending so much time talking about this guy. I really didn't. I didn't map it out that way. I just knew that there was a topic the Lord wanted me to preach, and, and, and I kind of been letting him put that together piece by piece, week by week. And, and, and this, kind of, this guy, he had this whatever-it-takes kind of mentality. He, he was... He was the real deal. And we talked about it. Remember, if you were here last week, if not, go on Facebook or go on our website, and you can listen to that message there. Um, it was, and I don't say this because I don't feel proud about it, but I feel like that message was something that we should hear. I feel like that message stirred the pot. I feel like that message rekindled some fires in the place, in the, in the place of people's hearts. And, and so Elijah, he's... He's, he's around during King Ahab, Ahab, and a matter of fact, he was the guy that the Lord used to pronounce judgment on him. And sometimes when we're reading the Word of God, does anybody do this? They kind of put people on pedestals like, wow, that guy's awesome. I want to be just like that guy. I want to I call down fire from heaven. I want to wipe out 450 evil people. That's some of the stuff this guy did, man. He challenged 450 prophets of Baal, Baal worshipers. Not just Baal worshipers, but the prophets, the priests. And he, he wiped them out, calling fire from heaven. I, I, that's why I like this guy. I'm like, dude. I mean, I should be preaching to the dudes right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want to be like Elijah. I want to be cool like that guy. And sometimes we put people on the, on the pedestal. But I love what, what James says about Elijah. He says this in James chapter 5. He says, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. I, I hope it doesn't mean he prayed every three years and six months. I doubt that. But in regards to the raining, he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So Elijah was a man or a person like you and I. He had the same nature like us. He had a sin nature like you and us. You and, you and us. Use guys and us guys. <laughs> Y'all. He had the same type of problems. He had the same struggles. As a matter of fact, it was you, I don't have time to spend talking about all of Elijah's life, but you can pick up his struggles, and there's so much like ours. And after many miracles, including the one we talked about last week when he raised the dead, and, and there was another time that he, he multiplied the widow's life. Matter, there's 16 recorded miracles in the Word of God that Elijah performed. But here's what happened. 
God tells him to go and anoint his replacement, a man named Elisha. Now, you're going to get confused in this. you got Elijah, senior, Elisha, junior. Not that they're father and son, but they are in the spirit. So as I go through this, I'm going to try to really pronounce Elijah, Elisha, okay? Get the picture. Get the picture. If you've never heard about these guys, it's kind of tough to track along with what we're going to do today. But I thought about this, about, about how do we develop this, this attitude of whatever it takes. That's the, that's the kind of church that I want to lead. I want to lead a church of people who are willing to do whatever God says. I got one amen. I want two amens. I want to lead a church that is willing to do whatever God says, whatever it takes. I, I truly believe that the Lord has begun to resurrect some dreams and some promises in the hearts of his people. And that's kind of what our focus was last week. Each service was different. I don't even know which one we put online. We'd have to ask Miss Jackie. But both services, and they always are. If you're looking for another service later, it's different second service. I'll just tell you that. I don't know what. I, my content's the same, but what the Holy Spirit does interweaving himself throughout the material that he gives me, I just, but God did, what happened last week, I believe, happened in the heavens. He rebirthed. Some of you haven't been able to sleep because he's rekindled that promise. He's rekindled some things in your heart, some things that you thought were dead and dormant. So this week I want to bring our focus back to having a, a whatever-it-takes mentality in winning the lost. I want to talk about winning the lost. After all, Grapevine has been given a new, a new assignment in a new area. Listen, listen. He doesn't always just move a, a ministry or a man or woman of God and tell you to keep doing the same thing. Matter of fact, every time I have moved geographically in the spirit when God said go, it's looked different. Now, the overall vision of my life has always been the same. Win souls. Do it through compassion ministry. That's always been what God has called me to do. Do it through recovery ministry. I'm a guy of recovery. 22, almost 23 years, clean and sober. Amen? So it's something, it's in my DNA. I love that. But here's what I want to say about those things. Number one is, is stop calling Grapevine a recovery church. You know what you're doing? You're saying Grapevine's in recovery, and they can't seem to get it together. I'll tell you what happened to me. Oh, now I'm starting to march. Three, three and a half years into my recovery, I got recovered. I met a man named Jesus Christ, and he changed my life completely. Trust me, I don't go into bars. I don't do stupid things. I, I know what my limitations are, but, but I haven't needed a 12-step meeting. I, I found all the steps I need right here. And I, and, I, and I found all the fellowship that I need in these rooms. And I am not preaching against AA or NA. I am not. If you go there and it helps you, you keep going there. God did something different. What I'm saying is Grapevine Fellowship is not a recovery church. Grapevine Fellowship has a strong ministry and outreach of recovery. Amen. Its pastor is in recovery. And also we are not a biker church. We have bikers that come to our church. We have people who own bikes, right? We have bikers. 
But we're not a biker church. We accept everybody. Amen. So let's let's stop let's stop limiting what God wants to do in our ministry. Let's just call ourselves, you know, my, my new tagline that, that the Lord has dropped in our spirit is just loving people to life. People is all people. Every people. Tell your neighbor, every people is welcome here. Our focus, our focus, I believe, at Bruce Street is going to be on families. Families. I have a strong conviction about chasing after the youth. I have, I've been saying it. I've been saying it. I want to focus on the youth. I want to go after the young people. I want to get them before they need recovery. I want to get them before they get into gangs. Amen. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, the, the one way to get a person out of the gang is to get them to join yours. And then, so if we can get these kids involved and they actually like what ministry looks like and they get to be involved, and, then maybe we can make a difference. And, and here, let me help you. I haven't even started this sermon yet. The Lord has already opened a door. Many of you were like, oh, we need another, another bigger building. That pastor's lost its mind. I, he's crazy. What are we going to do with all with three acres, three buildings? What the heck are we going to do with all that? Blah, blah, blah. I hear you. I hear you in the spirit. I hear you. I hear you. Let me just tell you what the Lord's doing already. On December 10th, there's an invitation extended to 200 children to come to our church. Saturday, December the 10th. This is through Angel Tree. We love Angel Tree, huh, Miss Arlene? They have 200 children who weren't adopted by the churches. We adopted 10. I know we're having a hard time reaching some of those kids. But there's 200 kids that weren't even adopted. And so I know Carmen very well. She used to work with the rescue mission. She's stationed in Victorville. So she called me. She said, Pastor Ron, she goes, we have 200 children. And I don't want to ask the churches in Victorville to, to support them or to bring them into the Angel Tree Ministry where the parents go, you know, we, we, we support them. What I would like to do is have an event. Would you be open to something like that? I said, I said Karen, are you kidding me? She used, to, she used to do events with me at the rescue mission, so she knows me. Are you kidding me? You say you want to give me an opportunity to minister to 70, 75 families, and you're asking me if I'm okay with that? We, she said, we can do worship. If your worship team wants to do it, they can do it, or we can bring somebody. And if you would just share one of your messages like you used to do at the rescue. We used to have 3,000 people show up at our events at the mission, and, and I would give a call and share about 10 minutes of my story and give a call, and hundreds of people would give their life to Jesus. And one of the reasons I left the mission is because it broke my heart that they would give their life to Jesus and not have nowhere to place themselves for discipleship and for camaraderie, for fellowship, and for training in righteousness. God has already opened the door. We haven't even moved in yet. The paint is still wet on the walls, and he's already opening doors where 200 kids, that's, that's going to be a stretch for our new building even. Amen? Is anybody excited about this, or is it just me? Oh, they're going to provide all the toys too, by the way. All we have to do is just show up, have the building, and love on these kids and their families. And I did commit us to to providing the refreshments because we have a, about $1,100 that is set aside for outreach that, that, Foursquare, that Foursquare gave us. So the paint's not even dry yet, people. The building's already full. What are we going to do week two? 
Anyway, I need to preach this message to you. That was exciting to me. I don't know. That was just exciting. It just, it just blew me away. Real quick. Anything that you have, you want to donate toys, of course, we still do the Christmas event here at the, at the at, at Grapevine for our food bank folks. So all the leftover toys we get to use over there on the 23rd. So we're all excited. Do two events for kids, one in this location, one at that campus. I'm, I'm just, yeah, go ahead, Jesus. I'm glad you're in control and I don't have to figure this stuff out. So, so here's what we want to do today. The first thing I want, to, I want you to see this morning, and I, want, I want this to get into your spirit, okay? I want you to understand, number one, you're called. Okay, you are called. Let's get back to, to, the, to the story today in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 and 16. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to him, talking to Elijah, Go return on your own way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king of over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Molin, gosh, you shall, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So I already referenced this, but I just want to touch this for a minute. It, it, it's kind of a sidebar to the sermon, but it really does have to do with, with having a whatever-it-takes type of mentality. Listen, the Lord told Elijah to go and anoint his replacement. In other words, go bless the guy who wants your job. Right? That's, that's what the Lord told Elijah. I thought about that. I thought, how many people do I know who get offended when anyone just wants to help within their ministry or, or with, they just want to come alongside and, and be a blessing? Let alone anoint them and train them and raise them up to take their place. Something to think about, isn't it? I've, I've, I always say this to you. If you hold your ministry like this, guess what you'll always do? You'll always do that. But if you hold your ministry like this, God can fly that off to somebody else and promote you, promote you, promote you to new things. Your, your Christian life isn't, isn't called to walk out the same way. You're not supposed to be today who you were 20 years ago. You're not even supposed to be doing the same thing today that you were doing 20 years ago. Shame on us for doing the same thing and not raising up a generation of young people. Shame on us for, for not allowing others into our fold and then not, not treating them and training them and helping them and anointing them and blessing them. Did you know that a big part of your, of your calling is to equip others, is to train others up? That's what he said. Go make disciples. Not just go. Go and do that ministry and hold on to that thing so tight that no one can do it. No, go and make disciples so that they can do the ministry so that way when you die... That ministry doesn't die with you. I'm already looking for my replacement. I, I seriously am. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I seriously, I'm looking. I believe, I believe that the, the next pastor of Grapevine Fellowship very well could be sitting in this building already. A member, one of the young people, quite possibly. I believe that. And I'm trying to, I Lord, help me. Because I want to get my hands on them. I want to train them up. And I want to release them. Amen? You guys okay? That was my sidebar. Jump down to verse 19. In, in the, let's keep reading in verse 19. Verse, verse, uh, verse 19 of chapter 19. So Elijah departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. There you go. 
who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elijah turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Three things real quick I want to touch on, and it's not in your bulletin. You can write these on the side if you'd like to. Just something to think about. Elijah called his successor. Elijah called Elisha to be successful. Listen, are you, are you, if you're involved in ministry, if, if you're involved in the marketplace, in the workplace, if you're involved in anything, listen, every one of us are doing something in the kingdom. Are you looking for your replacement? Are you looking for the next generation to sow into? Second thing, Elijah didn't choose Elijah. Elijah chose him. Listen, most people won't serve until they're asked. Most people sitting in the chairs, even here right now, won't help until they're asked to help. So if we're leaders and, and, we're, and we're leading something and, and we, we, we want help and we need people to come alongside, we just need to ask. We just need to ask. Ask people to help. Would you help? Do you mind? Get involved. I need bus drivers still. Who wants to drive a bus? We've talked. You do? Praise the Lord. Help me remember. Help me remember. Pastor Kerry's putting together. I already have three or four. We don't want the same people doing it all the time. If we have enough people that just drive once a month, doesn't that make it great? Help me remember. Because I promise you this, I'll forget. RTC. See, I already have a license. Miss Arlene, I could see you in a bus. I didn't say that. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing, and probably the most important thing that I want to touch on in that text, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more. The Bible says that Elisha burned the bridges to his past. What from your past is keeping you from your destiny? What are you holding on to in your past? What... What plow, what equipment, what things are holding you back from fulfilling the destiny God has for you? Most commentators believe that Elisha was a wealthy farmer and hard worker. He wasn't looking for an opportunity. He was making money. He was doing well. So when Elijah threw his mantle over his shoulders, it was, it was a symbol of release, authority, and calling on his life. Elijah was doing good. He was in the marketplace. Some people, their ministry is in the marketplace. Listen, I know I get excited. And I say, you should get involved in ministry. Let me tell you something. Some of your ministry is going out there and making the money and bringing it to the house of God. Amen? Yes. Can I just be transparent? It's true. We have to finance the kingdom too. God's asked us to finance the kingdom as well as serving it. This isn't a, this isn't a message on tithing. We're not going there. But it's the same way with Jesus. He's the one that chose us to follow him. John 15, 16 says this, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. 
I love that about him. What about Ephesians chapter 1? Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Somebody's beeping. Got a little rhythm going on. Is it? Is the bus here? It is somebody's car, huh? Think about this for a minute. God, God chose you. He called you. He anointed you. And he adopted you into his family. You understand, you are not an orphan. I love the song that you guys chose today. Because we aren't orphans. We've been adopted into the family of God. And I love what Elijah's response was. He said, I'll go with you. And he burnt up all of his stuff. He just got rid of everything. Everything that would hold him back from pursuing the things of God. Listen, there was no turning back for him. And listen, Christian, there's no turning back for you and I. You don't get a do-over. I'll take my salvation back. No, you signed up. I pray it was made clear to you when you signed up to be on the team that, that you were giving your life to him. If it wasn't clear to you, maybe you should check whether or not you are in Christ because the qualifications are that you give him your life. Jesus calls us to follow him. And he said that if you want to follow me, there's no going back. Look at Mark chapter 8. Verse 34 and 35. And when he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Have you burned the yokes of your past? What are you holding on to in the skeletons or in the closets of your heart? Number two, you're anointed. You are anointed. Tell your neighbor, you got the anointing. You got the mojo. Turn over to 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to kind of bounce around between 1 Kings 19 and 2 Kings 2. And the Bible says, It came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went to Elijah from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elijah, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elijah said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elijah and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. In other words, Elisha was so determined to follow God's plan for his life that even when the naysayers tried to be discouraging to him, basically he said, shut up. Keep quiet. I understand what's going on better than you. It's my call. God has called me and he has anointed me. He has put it into my spirit what I should be doing in this season of my life. And many of you have been distracted and discouraged from fulfilling God's plan for your life because somebody said something. Oh, you're not ready. Oh, you, 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 you probably should wait till your kids are raised and 
You should probably wait till you, you know, you got a million dollars in the bank account, so then you can just do ministry, you know. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that excuse, I would be a millionaire. No, I wouldn't because I already put it back in the ministry. But, but, but three times throughout the, the, the nine verses, we didn't read all nine of them, but through the first nine verses of that chapter that we just read, Elijah told, Elijah told Elisha, stay here, stay here. I, I'm going to go to another city. In other words, he was testing him. He was, he was trying him. The Lord was trying to see if this man was really ready to take on the mantle of his anointing. Because I'll tell you what. A lot of people say, I want to be used by God. They're not ready to be used by God. To receive the anointing means that you're going to have to go through the fire. It means that there's going to be a testing of your resolve. Anointing or anointed means to smear or to rub. It also means chosen one. See, you all have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. You have been chosen by him. Many want a title, but few are willing to pay the price that it takes to get it. Got quiet in here. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14 says, many are called, but few are chosen. Listen, it's not a term we use that, that we heard uh, at, this, at this worship conference that Mike's referring to. I, I'm adopting this. It, 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 it talked about having blood on your knuckles and, and mud on your boots. In other words, it's people who are involved in things. It's people who are getting dirty for the gospel. It's, it's people who are showing up and making things happen. They're the ones that they got mud on their boots because they're going through the trenches. It's the ones that have blood on their knuckles because they're fighting the battles every day. They're fighting for the people that they love. They're fighting for the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what Jesus is looking, at, looking out for is people who have blood on their knuckles and mud on their boots, people who are getting dirty. Those are the ones who are chosen and called. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, in the NIV it says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul wasn't saying I'm content always. He said I learned to be content. Do you know anything about the life of Paul? Prison, shipwrecked, beaten, spit on, boiled in oil. And he said, I learned. This was at the end of his life. Philippians is written at the end of his life. I have learned. In other words, I had to go through some stuff to learn contentment. That, when, I, I just, when I just discovered this in my spirit this week, it really, it really helped me because sometimes I struggle with being content. I'm the only one in the room, but that's all right. In other words, Paul had to go through it to receive it. Get back to our story, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8 and 12. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water, and it divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you. Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit or the anointing be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But it, if not, it shall not be so. Verse 11, then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. I want to go like that. 
And Elijah saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in the two. Moms, dads, your children will receive a double portion of whatever it is you're serving. Whatever, whatever it is you're serving, whether it's the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of chaos, dissension, greed, envy, anger, abuse. Think about that. What are we training our children? What are we teaching them? You know, there's, there's an interesting parallel between what we're reading and, and the birth of the church, the early church. It talks about this in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to be divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, wind and fire are are symbols of the presence of God. So when you see those in Scripture, you got to think the presence of God is in this situation. And so Elijah is being swept away by the presence of God, and Elijah is witnessing this, and they had the whole conversation. See, Elijah set Elijah up to succeed. And I, th- I have a feeling of the problem with the church, and I'm not talking about grave, but the church in general, is we're not setting up our kids to succeed. We're not setting up our own families, and we're not setting up the kids within our own walls of the churches to succeed. We're not passing out the anointing. We're not, we're not praying that they get a double a, a portion of it. We're not, we're not raising them up. We're not praying that they do great. Listen, Elijah did 16 miracles. Elijah did 32 miracles. He did receive a double portion of the anointing of God. We need to seek the Lord in prayer if we want the power of God in our lives. We need to seek Him. The, the, re, the birth, the rebirth, and the resurrection of dreams and promises, they require the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's a requirement. Here's the third thing. You're sent. You're called, you're anointed, and you're sent. 2 Kings chapter 2, look down at verse 13 and 14. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elijah crossed over. Listen, this guy was hungry and desperate for a real encounter with God. I'm telling you, we need to become desperate for an encounter with God, not just... I don't want him just visiting us. I don't, it's not enough for me that he shows up on Sundays and when we get together. I want an inhabitation of his presence. I, I want him to take complete control, not just Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, but of my life completely and totally. I want him to be the one who is in control of, of everything that I do say, think, or ask. I want him to be the one that determines the thoughts that even fall into my mind. 
Because you know we're bombarded with thoughts from the world. I mean, the church and, and, and our country is still divided because of the, Clint, the Trump and Clinton. I called it the Clinton. The, the Trump and Clinton. I mean, people are burning, burning flags. They're tearing down property. And it's like, what is going on? And I, but let's not bring our opinions into it. Let's bring the Holy Spirit into this. Amen? I hope you're praying. So I want to wrap this up with some questions. Where are the Elijahs and the Elijahs of today? Where are they? Where are the people who are called by God and are willing to do whatever it takes to win the loss? Where, where are they? Are they? Are they here? Are they in this room? Are, are they in the church? Are, where are the people who, who are willing to pass the baton and, 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 and help our young people be more successful than we ever were? You know, the greatest legacy I can leave is that my son would be greater than I ever was. That the people in our church, that the people in our ministry would be, be more anointed than I ever was. That's the greatest legacy I can leave. If I can get brought out of this world in a, in a chariot of fire or a whirlwind or however you want to interpret that verse. I want those left behind to say, you know what? Cool, he's out of here because I got the double portion now. I want to turn my side. Here, here's what I believe. This is not thus saith the Lord. I would never, never presume to say a statement like this under a prophetic utterance. But I believe, I have a strong conviction that our our grandkids are the last generation. I just, I don't know, I just got this sense. Time is so short. They get to be the ones that bring revival. They get the ones that they, they get to sweep the people in before the rapture of the church, whether you're pre, post, or mid-trib. I don't care. I'm pan-trib. It's all going to pan out when it happens. Amen? Let's close it with this. First Corinthians, first, first Kings 19. 11 through 13. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks and the pieces of the work. See? A representation of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, family? What are you doing here this morning? Are you here because it's Sunday and that's what you do on Sunday? Or is your desire for more? Is your desire to see God move? What is your purpose and your mission in life? You all have one. We all have a purpose and a mission. If you haven't discovered it yet, start seeking the face of God. We need to get alone on the mountain with God. We need to spend some time and stop letting the, the, the whirlwinds and the fires and the earthquakes determine the direction of our life. We need to listen to the still small voice. 
it wasn't for the Elijahs of our time going out and raising up young people, there would be no Elijahs with a double portion of the anointing of God. I've been very fortunate that I've had two pastors who have poured into me in my life. And a couple other people, Larry Alvera, you know him. If you don't, you're going to meet him in January again. These men of God have poured into me. And in 1 Kings 19, we read this already. The Lord said to him, go. That's what the Lord's saying to us, go. Go. We're called to come to Jesus. We're chosen and anointed, and we're sent into the world to be the change of the world. It's the call of God on our life. I want to stir the body of Christ up. I want us to be fired up. Man, people are getting excited about what God's doing already at Bruce Street. I'm serious. I think we're going to be in a position in a year or two where like, ah, we don't have room. I'm okay with that. Those are problems that the Lord gets to figure out. Let's, let's steward what he gives us now and let him figure out what he wants to do with the future and with, you know, building the building. And he, he, he'll have... When you outgrow a building, he has to make provision, and that's what he's doing. Would you stand with me? You know, Matthew 28, Jesus told us that the, all the authority has been given to him on heaven and on earth, and he told us to go out and make disciples. And he said this, he said in verse 20, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's called us, he's anointed us, and he's sent us. I wonder, are we willing to take the challenge? If that's you, just lift up your hand. Lord, I'm so thankful that this is a church that I can bring a message like this. And the only reason you allow me to do that is because there are people, so many people, overwhelmingly majority of the people in this room, that is their heart to be used by you. Thank you for reminding us today that we are called, we are anointed, and we are sent. I pray that as we move through the next two weeks, God, and this whirlwind going on around us, that we would take time to hear the still, small voice. There's so much activity, there's so much going on in our lives right now with preparations and plans and on top of the holidays. Let us slow down enough to pour into our young people and to love one another. In Jesus' name.